It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Um, welcome to Trot's Life. Is that my phone, Gareth, or is it yours? It's yours. All right. There's a lot of confusion here. Uh, right, right at the uh, the changeover point between Giddy Up with Gareth Hall and Trot's Life. Now I'm trying to work out where my phone is. It'll be somewhere here. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Also, a pad here for you, Giddy Up, if you if you want to take that one back. He's left his pad here as well. Um, I'll tell you what. I know this is a Trot show. But given the timing, I'm going to keep one eye, just my left one, over having a look at the Golden Slipper barrier draw because uh, this is a racing station, chasing, racing and pacing. So we want to keep everyone involved. There's um, Greg Radley running procedures uh, up there as they go through the barrier draw and they're just about to begin. I'll try and keep you updated on that. Um, in terms of a breezing with Bond today, I think we'll – talk a little bit about the proliferation of slot races. Gareth left his li- literally half his life here. There's your rundown. There's a pad. He's got his phone. He's got his little uh, pencil box. And away he goes. The great man. Sorry? Better be zip it. Book to go to WA. Well, there you go. I was just about to talk slot races. And uh, Gareth Hall, um, also a, a news hound for the trots. As he walks out, uh, as I say, I'll keep a, uh, I'll keep one eye on that barrier draw. Um, I wish WA all the best. Wish Cambridge all the best with the race by Grins. Wish um, Harness Racing Australia and the team behind the Eureka all the best with the Eureka, which comes up in September, and it should be a belter if everything goes to plan. But I don't get really how it took Harness Racing seventy three years to get a slot race going, and now we've got three, and in about five minutes we'll have about 12. Everyone just waited for somebody to do it, and now everybody wants to have a slot race. And I don't know 100% whether everybody knows how hard these slot races are to put on. Everyone thinks you grab a bunch of rich people, you make them invest a bit of cash, and you've got a race. Well, it's not that way. I can tell you from uh, my experiences uh, watching the Phoenix as it's um, as it's grown over the two years that it's been run for the Greyhounds, it's a hell of a lot harder than that. You've got to put a fair deal of your own money in. You've got to uh, service the clients and the slot holders, and you've got to make you've got to make it something special. And I just wonder why why we do this sometimes in the trots where we just sit in our hands and then somebody decides to break ranks and then we say, well, um, if 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 you're going to do it, then we can do it. Feels like Xi Jinping waiting for Putin to invade Ukraine so he can have a crack at Taiwan. It doesn't seem right to me. It, like you don't just watch somebody else do it and then uh, and then wait and then have a crack yourself. So um, other things, I know that it is a turnover issue. If, if we're going to try and pick up something from other codes, I know it's a turnover issue. Um, and people say, oh, you know, Speedstar, you know, those match races, they run at a loss sometimes. But I tell you what, the promotion you get out of it. I think harness racing would be very well served to say we're going to take a 
a lost lead here on uh, on running a match race series, even if it's for not the top class horses. Um, it could be it could be any and all of the above. It could be a little bit like the Mercury eighty series over the twelve hundred meters, but you do it slot race, you do it uh, match race style, and you get horses running fast time because um, all too often on a Saturday night at Melton at the moment or right around the country. You have fast races and slow races, and just as you start to build momentum with competitive racing, there's a walk and sprint affair. Even, to be honest, the Miracle Mile was, um, by their standards, a walk and sprint affair. So if you want to encourage competitive racing, we'll put a uh, put a, uh, a, a prize money um, a packet on top of how fast you can go in a match race series and – do something a little bit different and be the first to do it rather than uh, rather than sometimes just following in with what everyone else is doing with these slot races. As I say, I hope they all go terrifically well and I hope there's room for them all to go terrifically well. But they've also got to be scheduled in the right spots um, for a variety of reasons. I've already mentioned, I think, there's, a, um, there's too much uh, high-quality racing in succession at the moment through the um, spring-summer period. And I guess that's a, a, a possible reason why you get to the Miracle Mile as the last major race of that progression after the the Victoria Cup and the New Zealand Cup and the Inter-Dominion uh, and the Hunter Cup. And maybe the Miracle Mile, are you getting tired horses? I've spoken about this ad infinitum, but uh, if you want to get the best of the best, because these slot races, by their very nature, uh, run on the idea that you've... You want them to be absolutely outstanding races. You want the best standard breads going around in them. You want a trotter's one. I reckon that's the one thing that hasn't been done. If we're going to keep doing pacing ones, let's get a trotting one happening. I'm also a big advocate that they should all be uh, open age races. I I get the excitement that the Eureka is a three- and four-year-old event. The problem is we already know the four-year-olds can beat the older horses, so why not just throw everyone in? Because to be truthful, and I've said this a million times as well, and I know I sound like a broken record, but the young horses get all the cash these days. So the two, three, and four-year-olds have a thousand opportunities to make money. As I watch the uh, Golden Slipper Barrier draw for the two-year-olds in the thoroughbred world, but the two, three, and four-year-olds have got a Futurity Series up the wazoo, up the yin-yang. They've got Harness Jewels. They've got Breeders' Challenges. They've got Q-Breads. They've got Vic Bread Super Series. They've got Breeders' Crowns. They've got the lot. And then you've got a bunch of other races like the Rising Sun that's come in. Um, I, do, I don't know that we need a slot race going forward to the three- and four-year-olds. I've decided that's what the Eureka is going to be, and that's that's all well and good. But everything can be changed going forward, and I'd like to see more money for the open-class horses because here's a very simple equation, right? If you don't have horse population, then you don't have uh, you don't have turnover, and if you don't have turnover, you don't have prize money. And here's the problem with having um, having all these races on for the younger horses is why would you bother racing a horse virtually uh, after a certain age if all the money is supposed to be made in those first few years? And they'll say this is a breeding incentive. We keep them going and turn them over. But it's just not how it works. There's not enough of them. And again, even when you're talking about these really good races, a lot of the two, three and four-year-olds aren't good enough to compete in them. So there's... They're right at the top end, usually the top trainers, usually the top owners, usually the top drivers. So this isn't a workable system going forward. And like I say, I think if we're going to if we're going to try and um, learn something from other coach, other sports, um, 
I guess the Mercury 80, the 1,200-meter races, is uh, comparable to T20 cricket, then I think we have to be a little bit more creative and think how can the, those ideas work with a point of difference that works for harness racing. And harness racing does have some amazing points of difference, including, and I've already had a, a, a large chat about this, but I'm hoping we're getting close to do it. I know the wagering and, and vision provision um, deals aren't that far away. In-play betting is just something that has to become uh, a powerful part of harness racing's future because there is no question in my mind, it hasn't been for years and years and years People have started talking about it, I think, in back rooms now. But for years and years and years, I've been advocating for the idea that that um, in proper in-transit betting that is on a variety of platforms, but ideally the platform that is your quote-unquote wagering um, joint venture partner is the one that is going to change. That is going to be the initiative that could definitely change uh, harness racing's future. Golden Slipper, one little bros, uh, gate five, two barber. Barrier eight, Arkansas kid number three gets gate 13. Don Corleone for Peter and Paul Snowden, number four out of barrier six. Cylinders got three, Red Resistance 17, Shinzo one, King's Gambit seven, Empire of Japan two, Learning to Fly four, Platinum Jubilee 11, and Blanc the Blanc has got barrier 12. So that's Little Bros 5, and sorry, we'll go to the second page, and hopefully we'll go back to the first page, but you've heard them now. Number 13, Exploring for James Cummings, has got Barrier 9. 14, Lazago has got Gate 10. Um, Steel City out of 15, and I'll just miss those bottom two, but uh, we'll repeat them a little bit later on as well. Barrier draw for the Golden Slipper underway. I know it's a trot show, and we'll get back to trots in just a moment. How about we take a break, collect our collect our minds and breaths and come back with Matty Leopard or Lepard, the big cat with some tips and also maybe a little bit of chat about what I've been discussing for the first quarter of an hour of the show. Welcome back to Trot's Life. Jay Bond with you and um, a little bit of a discussion early, I think, with Matty Lepard before we get to his tips. Only four across the uh, gamut here. One at Mildura, a couple at Menangle and one at Albion Park. How are you, my friend Matthew? Hello, Jay. Some good. Um, wow, what a weekend. I don't think I've quite had a weekend in horse ownership like I did on the weekend. I had um, I had runners in four races across the weekend, and, and I won all four races. And I didn't back them all, but if you did multiply the Betfair starting price on all four, you end up with 64000 to one. Whoa! Holy jeez! So the, the highlight was obviously Jimmy Locke winning the... The J.E. Binskin free-for-all up at Menangle on Saturday night. But um, I, uh, it started with Friday, Mr. Bohannon up at Newcastle and then uh, Doubtless Bay at Menangle, race one, and then Jimmy Locke. And then last night at Redcliffe, um, Fly Cheval at 30-1 to 1 at Redcliffe. Holy jeez, Louise. I reckon you might not have backed that one. But um, G- G- Jimmy Locke has been uh, – I don't know where your favourites lie. I know – it's very hard not to go back to the very start of your ownership experience and um, those moments are so special and your time with Can't Refuse and all the rest of it. But in terms of probably, I don't know what you picked him up for, but I don't know if it would have been massive. He was going well, but probably people thought he was limited to a degree. I wonder whether Jimmy Locke's not very close to being the favourite horse you've ever owned. Yeah, he's certainly getting there. Um, he was a, a pretty cheap buy. He's only 20000 Um 
we bought him off off David Aiken, and in Victoria with Aiken, he was a uh, it was a Metro horse. He'd won a couple of Metro races, but he was, he was never going to go on to be a free for aller. But uh, I always thought he would be a great Menangle miler um, because he's got high speed and he loves the short trip and he follows pace well. So when he came up for sale for what I consider to be a pretty cheap price, I snapped him up straight away. And um, we've had him for nearly three years now. And he's, uh, I think since we got him, he's somewhere around the 200,000 mark. So he's done a terrific job. And I would say that he's one of my favourites, but maybe not quite my favourite because he doesn't always try his hardest. He only tries when Jimmy feels like turning up. So I, I prefer a horse like Always Rockin', who's one of my battlers up around Menangle, who just tries his best every week and um, earns checks week in, week out. What, uh, what in your mind, because I think everyone's got their idea, but what in your mind does make a great Menangle miler? Because you're probably looking at uh, a, yes, high speed, short course, um, sometimes a little bit of strength because of the long straight. And the other element sometimes maybe is that ability to not necessarily have change-up speed, but to be able to hold a high speed for a fair while. So when you're looking for one that you want to send to jur- different jurisdictions, and obviously Redcliffe is virtually the binary opposite of um, of Menangle, what exactly are you looking for? When I'm looking for a horse in general, and this isn't just for Menangle, but I look Gate for speed. a horse that has gate speed and high point-to-point speed. So... Um, when I say point-to-point speed, let's let's talk about Gloucester Park. If you're back in the field and you want to make a move to the breeze, you've got to get from last to first to get up outside the leader in the space of about 150 metres before the bend comes up, essentially. So you need to be able to make a short, sharp sprint to get into a position and then obviously still finish the race off. So in the case of Menangle, if you can only run a quarter in 27.5, you, let's say your last quarter in 27.5, that's generally not going to win your Metro races at Menangle. So you need a horse at Menangle that has a very, very quick quarter in it and, and sort of a sub-27, like a 26 sort of quarter in it. Um, but obviously at Menangle, given that every horse is off the front line with 10 across the front, you need a horse with, with high gate speed because if you can lob straight in front, then um, that certainly helps around Menangle as well. But the main thing is you just need to look for a horse that has very high point-to-point speed because... You can always send it to a trainer that can train toughness into them. This is my mentality with Perth, with Gloucester Park. The way they train in the heavy sand over there, they can always train toughness into them, but there's no substitute for speed. You've either got speed or you don't, and that's that's the important thing to look for. One element that it seems, I want to get onto a couple of other subjects in a moment, but I'm very interested in this. One element that you seem to adopt that not everyone does. So typically um, back in the day, uh, if you were going to try and – uh, pick up a horse, you would try and get them off a trainer who might be a hobbyist or somebody who you think that you can just improve them off via training, particularly from New Zealand. You wanted to maybe, you saw a horse with ability and you say, well, that bloke's got a farm and he uh, he's a dairy farm, whatever, and has a few horses, but will improve it with a better trainer. But it seems to me that you've got no issue getting horses off very good trainers if you think you can find a a better jurisdiction or a better area for them to race in? Yeah, I've got no issue with... Like, David Aiken is a very, very good trainer. has been for decades. But when Jimmy Lock came up for sale, I thought, well, as long as I'm sending it to a, another good trainer where the horse is also going to be suited like Jimmy is with the Menangle style of racing, I've got no issue with buying off the good trainers as long as you're sending them to another good trainer. The issue is if you're buying off a good trainer and then sending it to a hobbyist, that's when the horse is most likely to sort of regress in its form. So yeah. I guess 
I just make sure that I, I, you know, you send them to the good trainers in different states around Australia, and that's the key. I, I'm not too concerned about who I'm buying off. It's more about who you're sending it to. Um, now, before we get into the tips, a uh, little discussion on the, the, these slot races. They're they're all very exciting and all the rest of it. But um, are we at the point already where uh, we almost can't have any more? And um, look, I, I, I just worry that we waited a long time to to uh, get involved with them. It took. Uh, um, uh, uh, an ambitious CEO there in Cambridge to really um, break the shackles and have the race by grins. And now we've got a couple of extras. Uh, I'm just wondering whether we don't want to proliferate these too far because for a variety of reasons, you're going to eventually, I think if you have like five or six of them, you're going to cannibalise the proper good races. And also because I, I don't know if we'll get the horses to to turn up and and have great races out of all of them. And if you don't have great races out of the slot races, then they're going to die pretty quickly because people aren't going to want to uh, invest in the slots. Yeah. So when the Everest kicked off uh, probably six, seven years ago now, I think, um, it, it was an instant success and I really liked it. I thought it was great. And it was only a matter of time before the same thing happened in harness racing. But you made a very good point about how all of a sudden we've got three and two of them are on the same night or the same weekend, I think, the the New Zealand one and the Perth one. Um, so I think we just need to be careful that we don't end up having too many to the point where they they don't feel each one doesn't feel as special. Like when we have the Everest, it's a massive event. It's it's the slot race in gallops, and and it's a massive thing. If we end up with lots of slot races in harness racing, it just loses. Uh, I guess that point of difference in how special mm. a slot race is, yeah. and and I guess you look uh, the example I'll use is all these um, these two million dollar pop up races that Volandis keeps putting on in Sydney in the gallops. It's got to the point where no one seems to even really care about them anymore, and and the quality of the fields in them are terrible, um, and and they're sort of, sort of almost irrelevant now. It's just throwing money at it for the sake of it. So. I guess if we end up with six or seven slot races, one in every state in harness racing, each one is not going to feel all that special because it's just going to feel like another race. And at the moment, that is what's so unique about the Everest is because it is the slot race. So I would have thought we're better off in harness racing having one slot race, even if it means that it rotates from state to state a bit like the Inter Dominion used to, because at least then it has that point of difference and it is the race that really captures the imagination of the harness racing world. Do you do you agree as well? And this is it's a political uh, minefield. But if we, if we were only going to have one, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, like I say, I wish everybody the best. But I can see them being rationalised because people won't put the money up for these slots. If they, it's one thing to be able to win the money, but you you generally put the money up for these slots. It's a uh, how do I put this nicely? It's a measuring contest of sorts. I won't say what we're measuring, but it's a measuring <laughs> contest of sorts. And if you're not, if you don't feel that anybody's watching what's getting measured when you win one, I don't think that I, I don't know that they'll survive. But I also think if there's only going to be one, it should be an open age race. Like the three, the three and four year olds are looked after pretty well these days. Yeah, um, I, I think HRA made it three and four year old, even more so Australian bred ones, more to protect the money staying in Australia. Mm. Um, but because if, if you make the Kiwis come over, they'd, you know, well, 
history would suggest that quite often, particularly the three and four-year-olds, the age group racing, the Kiwis can be quite dominant, as we've seen in all the breeders' crowns for the last 20 years. Um, so if we were to narrow it down to one slot race, and let's say it did move from state to state like the Inter-Dominion did, then um, I think it would have to be a an open age race. Um, but let's also consider if we do do that with a slot and make it one national slot race, do we run the risk of the Inter-Dominion losing even more relevance than what it's already lost over the last 20 years? Which I would like to think that we don't because the Inter-Dominion, to me, is still a very special thing because it's not just the test of the best horse, but the test of the toughest horse across a fortnight of brutal racing, which I think is what the standard bred is all about. That typifies harness racing because the standard bred is so tough compared to a thoroughbred. So I think it's important that amongst all this, we don't lose what the Inter-Dominion is, but at the same time, I think we need to hopefully not end up with too many slot races in an ideal world, end up with one, as you said, open age and make it travel from state to state so everyone can sort of have a go. The truth is, we'll go to the news in a moment, but the truth is the Inter-Dominion, if it's still going to be around in 20 years, and I, we all actually know this, they have to at least double the prize money and, the, and the new deals have to be written up because you can't have the most iconic race uh, series going around for less money than a number of other races. It just can't happen. So particularly these days where you're asking, you know, the finer nature of the standard bread and you're asking them to race multiple times in quick succession, then there's got to be not only the glory and the prestige at the end of the rainbow, but also plenty of money. As we go to the news, we'll come back with the tips from Matty Lapard, but Danny Mullen, um, Sunday it was, or was it yesterday? It was Sunday, of course, Birchip, um, Birchip Cup, Melly Bull Pacing Cup again. Have you ever been to one, by the way, Matty? I haven't. Um, I, generally, that long weekend, I go to Super Saturday at Flemington. Yeah. So I went again on, on the weekend, and, and it was a great day there. But it means that I'm, I'm generally not feeling fresh enough to make the venture up to, <laughs> to Birchip. Because if I do go, then I know what's going to happen when I get up there. It's definitely on the bucket list, and uh, it keeps getting bigger and better every year. In fact, they've done it magnificently from the from the word go. But Danny Mullen, who won the feature trotting race with Imperial Wiz, rightly congratulates the club. Great crowd atmosphere, like a mini Kilmore Cup of days gone by. Check out the crowd line, crowd line in the fence for cup races. Kudos to the committee. We might see if we can get somebody on a little bit later, Danny, to talk about it. Please recognise the club's efforts. Regards, Danny Mullen, 100%. They are and have done an outstanding job right from the beginning, and it is on my bucket list. Time for the news. We'll come back with the tips around the grounds from the big cat, Matthew Lepard. Women used to love to throw the undergarments up at the uh, the Welshman. Probably not. Not in, it's not unusual. Uh, I think those days might be gone for Tom, unfortunately, but um, he's got the memories, and that's the main thing. Uh, let's move on to some tips. One at the Sun Raja. Talk me through it, please, Matthew. Before we get to um, oh, right. Mildura, can we just talk about something that is happening tonight? And right. um, it's called Cheltenham. So oh, um, I love the UK this. Yes. Festival starts tonight. They run four times in a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, for those who know me and, and follow me on Twitter would know I was actually over there this time last year yeah. and went to went to all four days of, of the festival. Um, if you haven't been, you really need to go. In my opinion, it's the best racing festival I've ever been to. So for those who don't know, Cheltenham is a city about two hours northwest of London. Uh, it, it only has about 100,000, so it's about the same size as Bendigo. And they get 80,000 people to each of the four days of the festival. 
uh, which means the town is, and the surrounding area is essentially doubling its population in the sp- across the week. So as you can imagine, all the accommodation is is booked out and hard to find. The pubs are all pumping, and it's uh, it's an amazing experience for anyone who loves racing and jumps racing in particular. So the highlight tonight, race four at two thirty a.m. for those that are still up, a horse called Constitution Hill um, in the Champion Hurdle. So he's he's about four to one on. So too short to back, but definitely worth a watch. It's the biggest boom I've seen on a an up and coming jumper over there in probably the last decade. And and this is, he's in against the best of the best over there tonight. So if you're still up, worth watching because he is an absolute freak. So so you will still be up, Matty, is what you what you're yeah, telling me. I'll probably stay up till his race and then go to bed at two thirty. <laughs> Uh, one of the great experiences you told us when you came back, though, it, is, it just must be, it just must be absolute. I mean, you think about all the world's great carnivals, and probably the brutality of those carnivals for those who are uh, enjoying the races and enjoying the afters. I'd say that this would have to be right up there. Yeah, I've, I haven't been to Royal Ascot yet, but I've, I've talking to a lot of the locals over there last year. It's a very different vibe to Royal Ascot. Um, Jumps racing over there is more like the, the people sport as opposed to the sport for the rich and famous yeah. like, like Royal Ascot and flat racing is. So therefore, people aren't sort of necessarily dressing up to go to Cheltenham. It's sort of just wear your casual nice clothes and, and therefore it's all about the horse, it's all about the atmosphere rather than all about looking as fancy as you can. And that, and that really adds to the atmosphere, I found. Yeah, I, I know that... Um... It's a real racing lovers thing. My old mate, uh, Blake Redden, who, of course, was with Harness Racing Victoria for a long time and joined me for the first year or more of what was talking trots on track back in those days, is a massive Cheltenham man as well. So for those who really love racing, and I mean not one coat, you just love your racing, um, definitely get involved in squizzing at the Cheltenham Carnival. And if you have to go to bed early to make your girlfriend happy, just tuck tuck yourself in and then grab the pillows and make a... Make it look like you're still in bed. Maybe maybe put something over them to make they feel make them feel like they're still cuddled and duck out and wash it on the um, wash it on the TV out in the lounge room. Right, we'll get to the tips now. Mildura race eight. Rick Riley. This is a good race. The open classer. Rick Riley favourite a dollar a dollar eighty. Sahara Tiger for Team Sanderson at two dollars seventy. Thoughts here, please, Matthew. Yeah, this is a good race. There's three really good class three for all horses here. So this is probably. Nearly the best race we've seen at Mildura since last year's Mildura Carnival, which is 11 months ago. So Rick Riley, Bernie Winkle and Sahara Tiger are the three big guns here, but they're all drawn the back row over the short trip. Um, I'm with Rick Riley. Um, but it's interesting to see Bernie Winkle at odds of $10. I don't think we've seen him go around at double figures at Mildura yeah. in a standard free-for-all for a long, long time. But on what we've seen maybe the last month or two, he might, He's not where he was a couple of years ago. His, his form's just tapered a bit. And being a 10-year-old, um, I just wonder if he's starting to slow down a bit. Um, and, and I'm not sure he can win tonight. But I'm with the stable mate, Rick Riley. So he draws number two on the back row. Uh, he follows through United. I think because he draws inside Bernie Winkle and Sahara Tiger, there's a good chance that Jack Law might be able to push through and pop around to the breeze after half a lap, and therefore he's, all of a sudden he's giving himself a sort of 15- or 20-metre advantage on his only two dangers. So it's going to be very tactical, but as long as he can pop around to the breeze and maintain that advantage and stay ahead of the other two, then I'm pretty keen that Jack Law and Rick Riley can get the job done tonight. The horse has ventured up to Mildura three times over the years and has won all three of them, so he obviously handled the track very well. As we know, Bernie Winkle and Sahara Tiger handled the track very well too, but 
I just think that draw advantage, if he can keep that advantage uh, on his main two rivals, Jack Law and Rick Riley, then I think he can get the job done. So race eight, number eight, Rick Riley is my only better Mildura for the night. All right, and we'll be getting... Um... Pogus Tolter on after 12. So more Mildura tips. And I'll give you Darren Cowles a little bit later as well. But I'll tell you what Team Douglas do more, just about better than anybody else. They seem to race these horses into really good form and then they drop their form and then they race back into form. So maybe Bertie Winkle will find his form again. But he's certainly – I don't think it's even uh, him from two years ago. It's like he was racing really well four or five months ago. It just seems like he's dropped off since then. Here's the question for the steak knives before we go to Menangle. He is the winningest horse, as we know, at any track in the country, I think in Australasia. How many races has Bernie Winkle won at Mildura? Matty Lepard. Uh, well, I'm looking at the form guide here, so I know the answer. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, that's cheating. 38 is the right answer. Yeah, but, 38 but... out of 77 at the track. Uh, I'm glad you, 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 you could have done that thing where you go, I have heard this, um, 30-something, I reckon. Yeah, if I didn't have the form guy in front of me, I would have said it was 30-something, but I wouldn't have known the exact number. Um, let's get stuck into Menangled now. I think race two is the first one we're going to have a crack at. What do you like there? Yeah, so this is a trotters race uh, for the up to 55 Raiders over the long trip. So generally these sort of races, they go single file for a while. Um, and you need a horse who can sort of run a strong 2,300. Um, so I'm with number two, my ultimate Eddie, for uh, Will Rickson and Alex Alchison here. So it's certainly no moral, and it, it has behavioural issues. It doesn't mind a bit of a gallop every now and then, but I just think its last run was only beaten 13 metres in 155 behind Jungle Eyes and Lettuce Trot. Now, they're both much stronger horses than what it meets here. So it ran fifth and ran home well from three pegs in that race. Before that, it galloped on the home bend and then still actually hit the line really, really well in a race where King City, who's favourite today, it also galloped in that same race. But I just thought my ultimate Eddie might run a stronger 2300 than King City. The interesting runner is number four, Yeah You, former Grant Dixon, uh, Queenslander, who's now with Joe Rando, having its first run down there for new connections. But I just think if my ultimate Eddie can trot all the way, I think it might have the ability to get the job done. We did see it down here in Victoria when it won its big red bonus with Greg Sugar's driving, so it's gone back up to Sydney. We just need it to behave and um, hopefully can get the job done. So that's race two, number two, my ultimate Eddie. I did uh, catch up with him last time I was in Sydney. Will Rickson's one of the um, the taller range people going around. He's a, he's a lean yeah, cat, but he's a tall man. He's, he's a really nice guy, Will. I've met he him a few a, times over the last couple of years in my my journey's up there for Miracle Mile weekends and into Dominions and things like that. And he's a really lovely guy, very friendly. But when you see him in the cart, you don't actually realise how tall he is until you actually stand next to him and meet him. And now, obviously, I'm not the tallest guy going around, but he towers over me. But he's actually very skinny as well. It, so I guess yeah. it, it, being tall is not too bad as a driver as long as you're not also solidly built. And Will's certainly not. He's, he's tall and lanky, and, and that's why he can still get the job done in the cart. And you've got to... Uh, it's, Funnily enough, you've got to have uh, core, I reckon core strength is a major, major factor for uh, for drivers. And Will's got it. I reckon to be nearly six foot. He's a tall guy. Now he's. I've got a message somewhere that he's six one. Uh, Menangle race four favourite here. Tisbury Rocks for Jack Trainer and David Thorne, and they have supported it. And I reckon you might have as well. Two thirty it opened into a dollar seventy five, and I reckon some of that money is yours. That's my guess. Yeah, pretty keen on it here. This is not a strong race. Um, if you look at so it's a Kiwi horse who's having its first run. Uh, in Australia, for, uh, under the tutelage of David Thorne, who's a very, very sharp trainer up there in Sydney, and Jack Jack Trainer takes the drive. So 
Um, it hasn't trialled. So this is somewhat of a guess, but I've gone back through all its New Zealand replays and it has a good turn of foot, has good gait speed. It looks like the sort of horse that in these midweek Menangle races, it'll be suited to the Menangle style of racing, like what we spoke about uh, earlier. Um, so as I said, it's a bit of a guess, but if you look at the locals that it's running against today, none of them are really stars. So Miss Exclusive, number three, the second favourite, a $3 pop dip. It led and, and only went 154.7 home in 56.6, and still got beaten. Um, so I would have thought that Tisbury Rocks, if it can't run those sort of times and beat a horse like Miss Exclusive, then it, it shouldn't be here. So um, I'm happy to, to go with David Thorne and Jack Trainer here. David Thorne, when he produces these ex-Kiwis, generally they get the job done. And the last one we sort of saw come over under his stable for New Zealand was Heaven on High, who's won... Uh, many races since and went 150 on Menangle on Saturday night. So if Tisbury Rocks can be anywhere near that sort of ability, then it'll be winning this and uh, happy to to be on it. And even at the odds on now, I think it's still not too bad a bet. But that's race four, number four, Tisbury Rocks. All right, all roads lead to Tisbury Rocks winning race four at Menangle. And we've got one up in the Sunshine State as well. And I'm intrigued by what you've come up with here because it is a funny old market. Mr. McLaren continues to hold the call for Chantel Turpin. 240 out to 270, but there's about three they've had a go at here. Classic major, 440 into well, out of 460 into 360. Burns Bay, Nathan Dawson takes the drive for Narissa McMullen at 550 into 480, and they've also had a good go at Classy Washington for Darren and Angus Garrard, 12 into 650. So a funny old market. They've either got it very wrong or or Mr. Mr. McLaren um, – He's going to be the one to beat. It's still holding the call pretty comfortably. Who have you decided to uh, lean with in this one at Albion Park, please, Matty? Yeah, it is a good race. Um, it's a heat of uh, a series for up to 70 Raiders, so I think they run a $20,000 final. So that, this is actually a really strong heat. But I'm with an ex-Victorian here who's done its recent racing in New South Wales, and that's number nine, Classic Major. So it's first up for Shane Graham. Um, it, it, in Victoria, it wasn't much of a horse. But it was bought for only a cheap amount and, and sent to New South Wales where it absolutely jumped out of the ground and was racing really, really well in really, really strong grades. So it's, it's um, two starts back. It ran second in 151 behind Can't Find a Better Man, who obviously went on to run a place in the chariots. But all around that that run, it's still been going really good in, in times around the 152 mark. If it can produce its Sydney form first up here, I think it'll go pretty close. The front line, there's a lot of gate speed here. Um, Burns Bay, number one, it'll want to lead. Um, it can probably hold up if it wants to, but it might have to run a 26-quarter to do so because there's also high gate speed from number two, Water Roller, number three, Chainlink. Um, number four, Mr. McLaren, the favourite here. It's a, it's a former Kiwi having its first run for the Chantel Turpin stable. It has trialled. It trialled okay, but only went 156.2. Looked to do it reasonably easy, but it would still need to improve on what we saw in the trial to win today. So I certainly couldn't go near it at the price. So I'm just banking on there being a pretty quick first quarter here. And Classic Major is proving to on its New South Wales form to be a very good sit sprinter. So hopefully it can run over them late. And that's race nine, number nine. Uh, first up in the state to Shane Graham. All right, race nine, number nine, and that cleans us up. Only the four tips today, but as mentioned, we'll get Pogger on to have a uh, chat about, Pogger Solder, that is, to have a chat about Mildura, and I'll give you Darren Carroll's tips as well. Well done, Matthew. Go and enjoy the rest of your day and night. Thanks, Bonners. See you, mate. He'll be, he'll be looking forward to Cheltenham, no doubt about it. He's already told us that. Time for a break. We'll come back. More action coming up. I'll give you those tips from Darren Carroll in a moment. Unfortunately, we won't get a look at the fields for Saturday night while on air today because of those bloody pesky public holidays. 
Well, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. But I'll find out if there's any headline acts going around and uh, maybe we can chat about them in the second hour as well of Trot's Life right here on SEN Track. You know I love you, I always will. My mind's made up. Hour two, Tuesday edition, Trot's Life. How do you pick those, Ollie? How do you know which one? Do you, do you just vibe? Do you just feel it? You just feel which one to go. That's the way. Um, great friend of the show, Steve Pogasolter, joins us to have a look at his best bits at Mildura. How are you, Pog? I'm going well, Bottoms. How are you? Very well. Um, you know what? In about 15 minutes, you'll be doing Harness Charity Challenge again. <laughs> you, you must even be thinking this far out. I can see it. I can see it on the horizon. It's, it's going to happen again, isn't it? It's um, The year goes pretty quick, doesn't it? It does, mate. It's only six months away. So, um, yeah, it's about five months ago when I wrapped up last year. So it does come around quickly. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to get my button in the gear, I think, and start organising a few things. Are you already – it is at the point, I think, that um, – well, we might have already discussed this in the past, but a, um, a team of employees may need to be brought in at some point or at least very, very loving volunteers or people willing to work. Anthony Albanese's put up the minimum wage, I think, but you might need to get some help at some – like significant help at some point if it keeps growing the way it has. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a look at that. Um, there's a few people – Sort of put their hands up and say, what can we do? But, um, yeah, it might be a bigger focus on trying to get some bigger sponsors in this year and we can raise some even better money than we have in previous years. But no, there's been a few, mate. They've come forward and trying to help us out, which is great. I think um, there's a hell of a lot of people getting excited about it. So, more the merrier. It's a measure of how great the game is. People, uh, when they love something and they love the sport and they think it can help the sport and help... Help charity the way Harness Charity Challenge does. I think harness racing is, there's no greater sport when it comes to that and many other things. Now you've got to find some winners for us. You've got three races you like up in the Sun Raysia, your specialist area, and we start with race six. What have you got for us in the McDonald's, Mildura, and a Rimple Pace, please, Pogger? Yeah, these races, uh, so this one's like for the four year olds and up, and it's sort of restricted. And the, the, the barrier draws are done by. I suppose, um, the amount of stake money that you've run in recent times. So you get some horses here that are um, probably a lot higher class than some of the others that it meets. So I think one of those is Mailman in this race. Now, this is probably a, more of a value bet at the price. So I missed the early openers. I think it was 13 bucks last night, which is ridiculous overs, I think, for Mailman. This is a horse where, um, that contested in the Majora Cup Series last year. Um and equipped itself really well, actually. So, um, and its first up run was only two and a half metres away from Sahara Tiger, which is one of the best free uh, fast class horses in Mildura. So, um, it's up against some um, a lot of opposition tonight. And the thing that's I think maybe put people off, maybe it's just the draw. So, look, if there's not too many roadblocks in his way in the last lap, and if he can find his way close enough to the lead, he's going to be mighty hard. To, to hold out. So I think that's seven, even right now, I think it's $7.50. I think that's a good price to take um, to have a little bit of, on the win. If you're that way inclined, you can even back, back him each way. He's still $2.10 twice. This does look, it does look a little bit ridiculous, doesn't it? I remember during that Mildura Cup carnival last year and even beforehand, Lockheed Prothero was, and you know, everyone involved with Mailman were talking about the horse being, you know, very, very good. Obviously there was, uh, a little period there where things weren't going to plan during the spring. But when you, if you take the opinion of the horse, then the runs through the second in aid of, I reckon, of the uh, of the Mildura Cup behind our millionaire, 
then has turned up and proven that he's probably back on track. Did you get the thirteen dollars for a start, Paul? No, mate. So I was um, I walked in this morning and I was almost crying. But, um, <laughs> yes, I didn't get that. Is everything all right, Bob? What's wrong? Then I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. <laughs> I'm an emotional man. But, um, no, yeah, I was a little angry when I saw that this morning. But, uh, as I said, I still think the $7.50 is good enough. Like, uh, that's ridiculous, I think. Again, look, back row draws does funny things to horses around Mildura, especially if you get a slower one in front of you and you have to pull out four and five wide. So, look, there is that risk that he could get um, stuck behind something that's not going that well in front of him. But I think it's worth the risk that he got. You would think if you if you if you want one driver to, to take off and and get aggressive, I reckon Pecker might be your man, though. Yeah, correct. Yeah, he might take luck out of the equation, <laughs> and he's, he's a good enough horse to do that too, Mel. Man, I mean, really, he should be beating these. I'm assuming they're targeting the Majora Cup Gun Award again. So, um, yeah, he's the best horse that they've got in their in their stable, and um, yeah, no doubt they'll will be targeting again. So. Yeah, he should be beating these horses if that's the way he's going. Now, will you be making your way up to the carnival this year? Oh, look, plans are in place, mate. I, I missed Birdship on the weekend um, for the third year running, I think. I actually went about four years ago, and that was one of the best days out you're ever likely to be, um, Birdship. So uh, Mildura is one I haven't ticked off. So, yeah, I've got to get there, mate. I definitely have to get there. We are going to catch up with uh, Brad Sharp at some point to talk about the Birchip meeting. I don't know if I don't know if I'm getting a free pass to. I think there's indications I'm not getting a free pass to Mildura Cup this year, so I don't know. I don't know whether I have to take the week off, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's too good to miss. I've been to too many in a row. I wouldn't like to miss this one. Race seven, the next one, very very competitive betting market in the Tankard Dental Pace, rating fifty one to fifty eight. Affair. Give us your thoughts here, please, Pog. It's a tricky race, um, and I've probably decided on one because of the speed map here, and that's um, Storm Stride. Um, he does jump in class, like he's won a uh, up to 51 rater last time uh, from a back row draw, though, and um, he beat it, I think, a dollar twenty shot on on that night, son of Zodiac. Um, so look, he was entitled to not win that race, and he did. So I think he's got enough gate speed. He'll lead. He'll get across the one here and and, and be in front. The only query, a little query I have on him was um, maybe the 2,100 metres um, with a bit of pressure. But I think at the very he's actually drifted a lot since last night. And I think um, the original odds are around about the mark. So he's actually drifted out to about six bucks now. And I think that's well worth a bet for a horse. It's going to be out in front um, and out of trouble. So, um, yeah, definitely keen to have a, a play on him at the six bucks. This might be the one where you get your money back for not getting the 13 about Mailman. And there's a yeah. theme emerging here, Lockie Prothrow and Pekka McKellum again. Yeah, hopefully they have a big night. Um, but they actually do. Look, I reckon poor old Lockie's had some bad luck in, in a lot of his races over the last few months. So I think he's due for a bit of change of luck. And this is one of those horses, Storm Stride. He's been racing really well for a couple of months for, for Lockie and hopefully he keeps winning. Now, I've got bad news for you. Um, they don't have one in race 11, but you're punting there. So you're going to have to go with the different stable. Who are you going with in the 11th? The Jade Benham supports Teal Pace, Heat 4. What do you like here? Yeah, I'm going to take a line from Luke, uh, from, yeah, Luke Humphreys here. And hopefully it's true Mildura style early. Um, so you've got Robert Crocker. A little bit of a head case here, uh, Bonners. And he'll be leading. And I think their tactics tonight will be to hold which will be danger, I think, for Ray's daughter, number six. Um, and that sort of makes me lean to, to horses on the back row. So 
I was on only in the rain last time, um, and he got stuck in the death, and that's not his go. He actually drops in class here, um, and I think he'll lap up any type of early speed, and he's going to be mighty hard to hold out late. Um, so only a small play on him, but I think yeah, another that I missed the odds on, I think he's $6 and about 4 bucks now. But I still think the $4 is value. Um, only in Rome, I actually thought he'd be a lot shorter in the market. He'll follow through that speed. Um, should be sitting one by one, one by two, maybe. And um, I'll tell you what, there's not many better than Alan Thorne's horses around Mildura. So, yeah, can have a little bit on only in Rome in that race. And just fingers crossed they go a bit crazy early. Uh, Aaron Code and Alan Tormey, and I couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you what, I think I mentioned this story going back a few weeks ago, but not long after I first turned up in harness racing professionally, an interview with Alan Tormey, who was about, I don't know, six or 12 months away from out driving a claim. And she was sort of saying, well, that might be it for me, as as uh, many people sort of think, well, you know, well, I'll out drive my claim and then there might not be opportunities. All this time down the track, and I don't want to give away, I'm making you sound old, Alan, but you're not. Um, but she's driving everywhere in the best form of her career, in my opinion. Yeah, she, um, I just love backing her around Mildura as well. Like, I don't punt too often outside of Mildura these days, Bonners, but I, get, I can bet with confidence when Alan's on a horse. She just knows where to have them. Uh, she obviously does their form really well as well. Um, she just seems to have her horses in the right place every time. Um, she might not be on the right horse sometimes, and even though she's there at the right right places, it's not good enough to win. But I tell you what, when you line one up and you're confident and you see her name as the driver, I think you can bet confidently. So, yeah, she'll, she'll be around about the mark. She'll know exactly where to have this horse. Um, and, yeah, fingers crossed she can get the job done for us. It's not easy for the local drivers out there anymore, is it? Like, in this race alone, you've got Wayne Hill, Ryan Ryorick, um, Alan Tormey, Ryan Sanderson, Jack Law, They've encroached, haven't they? They certainly have. There's, uh, there's plenty yeah. of outstanding young drivers that are more than happy to make the trip. And I, I think we've discussed this before, but it is a wonderful breeding ground, I reckon, for them to learn their trade tactically, speed-wise. You learn a lot racing the true, true, true Mildura style, don't you? Yeah, it's it's willing, that's for sure. Um, it's not for the faint-hearted, and, uh, especially in those tight turns. They can just fly into that first turn. Um, and you sort of got to hang on, I think, around that first corner. Um, but actually, even now, some of the hobby um, trainers up there are starting to you know, hand over the drives to these young guns, um, and they're actually seeing a, probably a better return because of it. Um, they're getting more winners, some of those hobby trainers up there, and, um, you know, good to see some of these you know, guys going up there, apply their trade, and then they're you know, getting the confidence out of their driving, and then they can take it elsewhere as well, so... It's great. It's actually great for racing in Victoria, but also for Mildura. Um, it just makes it a great product to bet on, if you ask me. But some others that don't have the same opinion as me, Bonners, but they stay away from Mildura. But I love it up there. I think you know you can follow some of these drivers with confidence and make some good coin. Well, there's a reason why I think for years, outside of Melton, Mildura is just about being the second biggest turnover track. It's because people do enjoy the competitive nature of the racing up there, and probably the fact that. They know that there's really going to be a quarter given, so you. Uh, it's not necessarily always a matter. Even though one of your bets tonight is speed map related, it's it's not always about the map, there, is it? It's about um, reading the race and maybe just finding the best horse. Yeah, sometimes you can get the map right, and then you don't expect an aggressive drive from another driver, <laughs> and then you, all your plans are thrown out the window, and that happens a lot. Um, but then you have him play Benny Bonners as well, so that sort of can save you as well if something does happen out of the norm. And 
Um, and then a horse that maybe you didn't think would be in a position that is, you could sort of lay off on and, and get your money back. But, I mean, that's why we love it. It is. It's really competitive racing. It's actually great to watch, um, even for someone that's just having a little bit on the side. Uh, I think it's just really great race, racing to watch up there. And, and obviously, Luke, he gets really excited as well. Adds to, the, adds to the drama. You uh, get me excited when you talk about him playing betting. I might discuss that a little bit more at the end of the show. Good on you, Pog. Great to catch up, and hopefully I'll see you up in Mildura for the Cup Week. Good on you, boys. Catch you, Time for a break. When we return, Terry Young to join us. Talk about that great win from Gaelic Glad on Saturday night, and can we compare him to Delta Sun? We'll talk to Terry about that when we return. It is Trot's Life on SEN Track. Jay, I'm back with you. Tuesday, Trot's Life. Um, I'll get back later on to talking about in transit betting and also uh, the uh, the barrier draw for the Golden Slipper, which was conducted at 11 o'clock, given it was straight after Giddy Up with Gareth Hall got off air. But for now, very special guest and a winner. A winning trainer on Saturday night with Gaelic lad Terry Young on the line. How are you, Terry? Pretty good, Jay. Pretty good. I, I bet you're better after Saturday night. Yeah, he's been... Uh, he's a funny horse, but he, you know, he just he don't work. You can't. He won't work at home, but he just goes to races and performs. <laughs> so what's the go? What, what do you mean? He won't, like he's he's just a, he's just as lazy as you like, is he? <laughs> and I mean, I don't. Oh, <laughs> since he started, he's probably beaten two horses in track work at Peter's. The other day, he was working with uh, Peter's two-year-olds that hadn't even qualified, and he couldn't beat him. This is unbelievable. He's got... He is. Yeah. He's shocking. Like, he can't... Like, if he runs home in uh, the last half in 11 or something on Peter's track, well, that's <laughs> pretty good. Like, he'll run on his work. Well, you can't, I don't work in by himself, because all he wants to do is don't want to go and just want a pig route. So he's got to follow something to make him work at all. So what's I'm trying to work out what kind of what kind of um, issues we're dealing with? Is he just purely lazy? Is he a bit arrogant? Yeah. Or what's the, what's lazy. the go with him? He's just lazy. Yeah. Like uh, I hurt my shoulder there just before, uh, and I sent him to Karen, and they tried everything with him, and, and we were going to sack him before he even started. And yeah, there was trials at our at two days late. Before after I brought him home, so we run him there, and he didn't go bad. So we got, and then we took him to races, and that's what he's done. <laughs> he's just, he's just a shocker. So you, you never really know what you're going to get when you go to the races. With well, but you kind of do because I'll be honest with you, I've been following him for a, a fair while, and the horse, well, when he turns up, he normally does perform. He's, he's, he's got a fair bit of natural ability, Terry. Oh, Karen said he's got a lot, but he said, you know, like. Saturday night was probably, you know, he put in a bit. But if you have a look at him, he's got his ears forward, looking around, oh, he, you know. And when you, when well, he's, Karen knows him, you know, like when you go on him, you've got to keep going. And if another horse gets beside him in the race, he seems to find a bit. But at home, you, well, <laughs> you wouldn't take, if he ever goes like at the race like he did at home, He's going to be a long, long way behind him. <laughs> Is the um, was it was the plan? Uh, I don't know how much you discussed it with Kesa, but was the plan on Saturday night to lead and hold the lead? Because I thought maybe he'll, he'll lead and take a trail. But it seemed like even though he likes to follow one at home, as you mentioned at the races, just keeping him, just keeping him rolling yeah. seemed the way to go. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I never tell Karen any, you know. <laughs> 
I never tell her anything about, you know, about how to drive any of my horses, you know, because, well, she knows. Yeah, but, you know, she, you know she, she hadn't got much voice left when she comes back with him from yelling at him. <laughs> Kezra Kez also yeah. gave away, uh, gave away, I think, in the post-race interview that um, he might not be the easiest horse for you to handle without giving away your height, Terry. You, you're probably not. Yeah. You're probably not a Collingwood six footer, and th- this horse is an absolute monster. Yeah, he's he's over seventeen hands. Jeez, you know, and, and he's still a lot. Uh, I got Ross Graham was there because he's never had plugs in with his parents. They're putting the plugs in him and just see what happens. And uh, I had to get Ross Graham to put him in because there's no way I could reach reach when he puts his head up. <laughs> yeah, but but other than yeah, he's good around the around the stable and it, but it's just that he don't work. You know, he's just, that's why I race him every week. Because Kes said, uh, you know, he don't work at home until you know to race him every week. That's his, that's, his, uh, that's his training and his competition all in one, I think, Terry. He's actually going to the yeah. races. Yeah, like, I've, ne- I've never, oh, well, I've probably been a bit of a sook on a lot of the horses. I've never sort of kept backing them up. And Karen said, you know, back him up. I, I keep saying that he needs a spell. She said, yeah, but he. Normal horses would, but he don't. He, he only tries when he goes to races. But you'd, ha- you'd have to be worried. I don't know whether he's a, how good a doer he is, but if you're over 17 hands and you spell him and he decides to have a few feeds, it, it might take you five months to get him, <laughs> to back, get him yeah, back and rolling yeah. if he doesn't want to do anything at home, Terry. Can't, that's it. Yeah, like I'd, I'd never, yeah, and Peter, yeah, like he, he got uh, horses out there that can't win a race and they flog him. And I mean, yeah, like that talk horse yesterday, Peter's, it, it won in Hamilton, but it's run a lot, yeah, it's been a long way back in a lot of races, but it flogs him at the right uh, on the work. It flogs him. Now, you've had a very happy yeah. knack of being able to um, get your hands on some nice trotters and do a big job with them. Am I going too far to, to compare this horse and ability with Delta Sun, or are we talking uh, chalk and cheese still at this uh, point? Yeah. Maybe if he if he tried, he, but he wouldn't be the same as Delta Sun. You know, I'll never get another one like him. He, he was know, he was like, a very very nice horse, wasn't he? Yeah, like Karen said, with this bloke, if if you could get him to try and work him properly, he'd have a nice race in him. You know, so but then I said to Kez on Saturday night, you know, he got the first two quarters easy, but he run, run home in twenty eight one. I said, how do you get him to do that? Well, he half tried tonight. <laughs> well, in, in, in your experience, can, can uh, you know, we always talk about the penny dropping. Um, can it happen or when they've been going around for a couple of years? I was actually amazed at how young and inexperienced this horse is. It feels like he's been around for a fair while, Garlic Lab, but he's only had 26 starts. So there's got to be a hope that the, that the penny drops and he actually works out what he's supposed to be doing out there and, and, yeah. and does start giving 100%. Yeah, like at home, well, he never, never, ever picks the bit up. And I said to Kez, I said, did he pick the bit up? She said, uh, when he gets up behind the mobile, he'll sort of grab the grab the bit. But he said after that, he never, you know, he never pulls. I've never struck a horse like him, you know, most of them, you know. Like, well, I've grabbed the bit somewhere along the line. Well, Karen, a couple of times there, to get him to try and make him work a bit quicker, she's been in the cart on another one and put a lead on him. And I've been in the cart with him, and yeah, you can—he'll know, creep up with the lead on, 
But if you go to Karen Poole's let the rope go and you try to go past, you say, oh, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> Yeah. If anything, I'm getting more. If, if anything, I'm actually getting more excited about him, Terry, because he has he has beaten Love Gun, Sangreal's a Group One winner, Kaivelli Piero's got a stack of ability, Icicle's a nice horse, and he's beaten them on Saturday night. And from all reports, we're talking about a horse who's half half jiggy jogging out there. So imagine yeah. if he imagine if he did turn it on at some point. Well, that's what yeah you know, we say yeah, you know, and that's what Karen reckons. She said if he ever starts to try. She said he's got a real nice race in him, but I get excited because with his form, like if he like he was running fourth in those twenty thousand dollar races, I was getting a big thrill out of that because you know he was keeping up, and Karen had come back going crook. <laughs> <laughs> and we've tried everything on his head, but he's just that's him, you know. You, I keep thinking one day I'm going to go up the track, he's going to work, but he just won't work, yeah. you know. So. Now you're you're you're, you're sitting there for good reason on Saturday night. You're sitting quite chipper at the moment. I reckon it wasn't all that long ago. The health wasn't uh, a thousand percent, but I'm hoping you're going to tell me it's going a bit better at the moment. It is. I've sort of well, I had terrible trouble. My immune system broke down and was affecting my kidneys, mm. and all, all my protein was just going through my urine. And I had that for a couple of years, and I've got prostate, but. They're um, on uh, hormones, and they seem to settle it down a bit. So I'm going good because I'm 80, and there's a lot of people I work with are not here, so I'm going good. You are going good. And I'll tell you what, I I, I see it and I hear it all the time, that um, working with these horses and um, being able to go on down and travel and uh, uh, have a little bit of a chat with Kez and Peter and work this horse and try and work him out and try and get him good, if anything's going to inspire you to keep going, these horses have a great way of doing it, don't they, Terry? Oh, look, they do. Look, because you, well, you've got to get out of bed and feed them and work them. Yeah. And plus, going out to feeders every day, you're mixing with people. Mm. Like me and my wife go there, there. Like I'd be buggered without her too. But yeah, you know, we both go out there, and she, yeah, you know, she does all the bloody harness and up and feeding and that. Yeah. You know? When we go to the races, she's the boss, so I just stand back. <laughs> But I mean, you know, it keeps you know, it keeps the both of us going. I reckon. I've got no doubt about it. And being able to go down and, and uh, not only the responsibility, the obligation, but being being able to have a bit of fun and to go to the races and to get the thrill of the win. And I can hear it in your voice. You're a legend, Terry. I've known you for uh, a few years. Obviously, back in the Delta Sun days, and I'm very, very pleased to hear that that pep back in your step at the moment. And hopefully. Hopefully, over the next year or two, you're going to get even more excitement with this horse if he learns how to put it all together, mate. Great having a chat. Yeah. Thanks very much, Josh. Appreciate it. It's Terry Young. He's an absolute legend, and you can almost hear the smile still on his face from Saturday night with that win from Gaelic Lad. Time to hear what's happening in the world with the news, and when we come back, we're going to have a chat with Brad Sharp and talk about that Birdship Cup meeting, another success story on Sunday afternoon. Um, now, a man will also have a smile on his face from... Uh, Sunday, uh, Malleable Basin Cup, Birdship does it again. Brad Sharp, how are you, Brad? Good. Bono, how are you, mate? Very good, mate. Um, I can't believe I haven't been to one. It is actually, it's a disgrace. I'm disgusted in myself and I've got heaps of FOMO because I've seen so many of the pictures and how much, uh, how much fun it is. But every year, winding up to it, 
you must get very, very excited because not only you, you know uh, right from the word go that it's had a really big impact, it's a magnificent area in terms of um, standard bread racing over many, many years. And um, I don't want to just focus on the party because the racing's wonderful as well, but just to get everyone together and know you can, um, I guess, give life to to region, real, real regional racing in Victoria, must feel pretty special, mate. Yeah, it does, Bono. Um, yeah, I have invited you up a couple of times, so next year she's on, mate. I'll t- tell you what, if I'm not there that next year, I'm, I, I'm out. I'll just I'll walk away from this game because I have to be there. Um, but by all reports, as good as they've been in the past, and I've like I've seen the party before, but um, this year was as good, if not better, than ever. Yeah, there's just our um, food and alcohol was up thirty percent on our best. Wow! So by far, it was our our, our biggest biggest yet. Yeah. So you knew you knew uh, right, you knew right from the word go. It sort of had an impact. Straight out, and the the pump up was huge. Um, and so many big characters that are either from Birchip, the actual Birchip area, or the surrounding area around Birchip, and they were pumping it up from the word go. And it, has it just been that situation where each and every year, um, somebody tells another mate and says, "You got to come this year," and then they tell their mate, "You got to come this year," because yeah, I've seen how big it's been in the past. I've seen how big it's been in the past. I can't believe you could be up thirty percent. Yeah, no, it was unbelievable. We got the eight races this year, which which helped us a lot. Made the day. We only had five last year. Thirty-five horses compared to sixty-six. So you, the day's a lot longer with the eight races, and people get there and really, really appreciate what harness racing is all about. You know, and that and that is what harness racing is all about, isn't it? At the end of the day, we can have. We don't have the big races at 1,400-metre tracks at Menangle and Miracle Miles and all the rest of it, but harness racing soul is at places like Birchip and, and, and what you had on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. I know like some of your um, best spectacles are Mildura, bloody harness, uh, Bort, Oyen, Birchip, all those little tracks. You're that close to them, you can nearly touch them. So tell me what what was the deal here? Because I, I I do know the um, the lack of races in well last year. It, was this a case of actually reaching out, doing something different, reaching out more to the community and saying the harness racing community? I mean, and saying, look, we just want nominations. Or was it also doing a bit of de- willing and dealing with um, the guys at HRV, Stephen Bell and and Paul Oxenford and others to say, look, we're putting on something pretty magnificent here, and we. We, we need as much support as we can to try and get as many races as we can. Yeah, the support from HRV was unbelievable. Last year we had Tim O'Connor do our MC because Brendan Baker was unavailable and Tim just come for the day this year. But he went straight back to Steve and Bell and them and said, we've got to do something. They're doing everything right on the other side of the fence. It's about time HRV got behind them and so they upped our cups to 10000 from four and a half, um, give us a $7,000 made and heats for four and a half with a $10,000 final at Charlton next week. And people can say they don't want to go to little tracks, but if there's a bit of money there, they should soon change their mind. You know, we had people that, like we got Imperial Wiz 
in the Trotters Cup. He's um, he's going to go back and tell everyone down south, you, you've got to come to Birchip. We had uh, Aaron Code from Mildura, whose horses stayed at our place. He's going to get the word up at Mildura. You've got to be at Birchip next year. So all all that all those things help, and she's just building and building each year. Well, I think the excitement of actually winning a race there as well. I mean, you can win a race anywhere, but you know, for people, Shane Sanderson's um, training, you know, top class horses now. But for Shane, forever justice to win a race there, for the Herbertsons to win a race there, for you know, like I, I think in a in a way, what you've built there is creating a situation where. It, it kind of means more than a normal race to go to to go to Birchip for their big day and win a race. It does, and it, they all want to want to get their hands on our Mallee Bull trophy. <laughs> They're on a, a big Mallee Bull on a red gum base, and um, I actually presented the Sharps Bakery Pacing Cup to the Herbertsons, who have been great supporters of Birchip ever since we got going. And James said to his um, father. The owners aren't getting this one, Dad. It's going to our place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Shane, Shane Sanderson won the cup last year. And some young blokes in Birch have got together and bought a horse called Ultimate Force. And he, he won on the day as well. So, yeah, Sanderson had a, had a be- uh, real really good afternoon. And winning the cup last year, he's, he's got the buggy. He wants to win it every year. Well, you look at it, you mentioned the, the rise in prize money, but and you've already mentioned Imperial Wiz, but the horses who went around in the Malleable Pacing Cup up to $10,000, oh. there's some nice, there's some really nice horses here, aren't there? So you're, uh, you'll be setting the scene for, for those metropolitan, proper metropolitan class horses to attack this race in years to come, hopefully. That, that's, that's what we're aiming for, Bono. To see that the field was oh, 10 times better than we'd ever had in the past, and I think that that'll just keep on increasing. The better class of horses will want to come to Birchett and, and race, you know. And I'll tell you what, we'd love to say <laughs> that at every meeting at um, Melton or wherever it might be or Kilmore that you get a um, that you get a big crowd, but you don't, and that's true for all forms yep. of racing these days, but that's, that's yep. part of the thrill of winning at Birchett as well. I can imagine... They are lining the fence and screaming their proverbials off, and it'll be some sort of yep. feeling because of the crowd atmosphere. It is. We've, we've already had Blake Jones. Um, he's put his hand up to come if there's any drives for him. Um, another bloke in Western Australia, he, he loved to come if he can get a drive. So, yeah, and we, we put on a couple of local businesses, put on a driver's challenge and a trainers challenge which is always keenly contested so yeah it's yeah just a massive day and and you're you're still enjoying doing it you'll be doing it for the you'll be trying to build this in the next four or five years yeah for sure yeah we've, we've really got something to work with now we, we first of all we had to get back racing which we were going to Charles for 10 years and coming home saying, how much longer are we going to do this for? Uh, and I think it was Vaughan Lynch got us going originally. Yeah. Um, he was he was unreal in getting the country tracks back racing. 
and we just had to put on the show and hopefully hope that HRB would take notice and they finally finally are really starting to take notice of us. Now, as I said, I'll definitely be there next year, so you can absolutely count on that, and I'll do anything I can to help the club next year. Um, but you're doing a pretty good job yourself already. Will I see you at Charlton next week? Uh, I'm president of the footy club. Yeah. Um, I've actually got a training camp next weekend, but I did promise Joey Thompson on Sunday that I'd get there. So hopefully I'll be there. All right, mate. I look forward to having a beer with you after the last. It's been great chatting. Well done again, brother. Good on you, Bono. Thanks, mate. There's Brad Sharp, um, Secretary there of Virtue, but another, in fact, the most successful Mallee Bull Pacing Cup meeting on Sunday. So well done to everybody involved and well done to HRV as well for making sure that some when, when people are doing things right and they are putting their agates, cojones on the line and getting the job done, they need to be supported. So well done to all involved. Time for another break. Back for another Bond rant when we return. Welcome. Welcome back. Trot's life. We're winding up um, only a few minutes to go. Great, great show. Great to chat with uh, Brad Sharp. Great to chat with Terry Young. Great to chat with Matty Lapard, Pogasalter, and we appreciate everybody who comes on and has a chat on uh, on Trot's life. I know Toby McKinnon was holding down the fort for a long period of time, and the capacity for uh, and of, of course Ollie and the capacity to to find the guests and to have them constantly be willing to promote the sport and have a chat, have a yarn and and talk about how great harness racing is. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be involved in harness racing um, and we absolutely love it. Although it's going to be, I've just realised, I try not to think about what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes, let alone tomorrow, let alone the weekend. But it is going to be a busy weekend for the Bombay. Saturday night, City of Melton Plate, backing up straight into the Charlton Cup meeting, which is always an absolute belter. So very much looking forward to that weekend, but it's going to be one hell of a weekend. But gee, the Charlton Club, I can tell you. Um, Birchup obviously do a wonderful job, but that entire region, Joey Thompson and uh, and Andrea do an amazing job at Charlton. The atmosphere there is terrific. If you have got nothing on Sunday, if you're anywhere near the region, pop down. It is very much a... A racing crowd, a harness racing crowd. They get around it. They love it. We'll have the punt off that has been uh, was inaugurated some years ago. And I'll be representing Harness Racing Victoria. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Again, some of the big pros, no doubt, Darren Carroll and uh, and Brett will be there and plenty of others um, trying to win the competition for a little bit of glory. Um, so uh, massive weekend in harness racing coming up. But just to continue a little rant from earlier uh, about in transit betting, and I just look forward to seeing where this can possibly go because this is what I was explaining earlier and have done in previous breezings with Bon. Is that the correct? Yeah, breezings with Bon. Um, the race, 2,240-metre race goes for, uh, whatever, two and a half minutes. So from the time that race starts until the finish, You've got all that time where wages can be placed if this is promoted properly. Not only that, you can do your speed maps prior to the race starting. Then, if your map is proven correct, you can bet more. You can lay off. You can bet around. You can you can uh, you can do whatever you want to do. If it doesn't work out, 
you can change and save your way out of a bet that you now believe is going to lose. You had um, Ricky Olerenshaw to lead from gate three, and he's uh, he's ended up going back, and now you only really wanted to be on him if he was leader or leader's back. Then you can bet your way out of that situation. All of this is turnover for two and a half minutes. And critically, I'll tell you another thing, the absence of long-distance races, well, you don't have to be so frightened of them because they might actually make the whole situation better because it's a longer time to punt. See, everyone thinks right now that we're looking at a situation. I know Betfair do it. I know um, Sportsbet do it and a couple of others. But right now the situation we're looking at is you can have a greyhound race which goes for 30 seconds and a harness race that goes for two and a half minutes. You can bet before them, but not enough people are encouraged to bet during the race. Now, Greyhound racing has a massive advantage there on harness racing, but that that advantage is nullified to a great degree because you can't bet in play on a greyhound race that's too fast. You can for a long period of time on a harness race. And I'd just love to see this explored to the level where whoever we deal with in a uh, in the wagering deal as a joint venture partner going forward, that we sort of look at that and go, this is a real potential game changer for us as I'm getting photos taken by Ollie, who loves to put a filter on me now because he's six years old. He shouldn't even be working here. He's only six years old. Um, yes, so this could be a, a potential uh, game changer for us and I'd just love to see it happen. But, I mean, there are so many things. Harness racing is going relatively well, but you've got to keep moving forward because we are now emerging out of that pandemic spike uh, I think all racing is moving out of that pandemic spike where uh, we were making hay while the sun shone, but it was always going to be impossible to maintain that level because people now, paradox of choice, they're moving around, watching other sports, watching other things. Right now, as we head into the next Saturday night meeting, everyone's going to be watching the footy. Everyone's talking about footy already. And so you've got to find a way to keep the fans that you've got Broaden the church where you can, but give them an opportunity to actually invest and feel as though they've got some agency over their investments and hopefully stick with us and provide the lifeblood, which is turnover for the sport to have prize money so that we can keep people in the game, so we can keep people a hell of a lot happier than they are because it is very, very, very hard to subsist in the racing world. Um, unless you're right at the top of the tree. It's enough for a round. I've had two of them today. Time for our final break. When we come back, we'll wind this puppy up.